I'm so, so glad to be able to turn our hearts to a series that we've been going through. We kicked it off last week about relationships. Somebody said it well. They said that the grass is greenest where you water it. And the, the reference is, it was actually to relationships. I love that phrase. We used to live in the desert. And, um, and one of the things that we realized, uh, not like Northeast Ohio, but there in California, if you did not water your lawn, you did not have grass. And, and I encourage you this morning as we're in the, this relationship series that for some of us, we look at other people and we say, they are just better at this stuff than us. They're better at whether it's being married, whether it's making friends, they're more outgoing, they're kind. They're... And I want to encourage you as we are heading into the second part of this series that the God that I serve and worship is a relational God. He loves people. He sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost. He understands the value of relationships. And the great news that I have for you this morning is even if you're not great at it, you can get better at it. And there's a bit of a secret ingredient, I believe, to healthy, meaningful relationships. And today we're going to focus in on that, the power of prioritizing relationships. So actually, that phrase, the grass is greenest where you water it, there's a biblical parallel to that. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. In other words, where you invest that is where you are going to see fruit in your life. Now, I have an incredible mom. So I think somebody accused me of brown nosing. She's not here, so, um, but uh, she's watching online, though, for sure. Um, but uh, I have an incredible mom. I thank the Lord for her investment in my life. And my mom, when, we, when she'd go out of town, actually, mom, mom loves people. She is a person who models exactly what we're talking about today. She has maintained friendships from childhood. She um, takes trips around the country to head and participate in parties and uh, in connections with other people. It drives my dad nuts sometimes. But, but there's a commitment to caring for and investing in relationships. One of those times, mom was heading off to Florida to be with her parents while they were still living. And she decided that she didn't want her boys back home. I'm one of four boys to starve. And so she kindly had post-it notes and all these meals. And, um, and, and about, I was about the age seven, I think. That's what I can recall. Um, but, but I was on spaghetti duty. So um, I ended up pulling out of the cupboard the post-it notes and I, I, I got the pasta out, boiled the water, cooked it al dente. Perfect, right? And then um, on the notes, it said to take the, the meat out of the refrigerator. And uh, so I thought maybe it would be good to drain off the blood from the meat and take the spaghetti sauce and to, to start to warm it up and then to put the meat in the spaghetti sauce. So I took it out and I patted it down and put that that raw meat right into the spaghetti sauce. And, um, and so, and so about, uh, about 20 minutes later, when we sat down at the dinner table to actually eat this uncooked spaghetti sauce, we thought it tasted a little weird, um, but it went down. Um, and uh, at some point we gave up on it, right? Some of you are like, he's not serious. I'm totally serious. This happened in my house. Uh, I think I was seven, maybe 17. I don't remember how old I was when this happened. <laughs> But um, obviously, I hadn't made it to home ec class quite yet. So, you know, there's steps that are important in cooking, obviously. But in life, one of the steps that I think we're missing today when it comes to being able to experience the kind of relationships that God has for us is the step of prioritizing relationships. There's power that comes from prioritizing relationships. There's power that comes from doing something that we were literally commanded to do 
in Scripture. In John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, Jesus said this. This is my commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not a self-help concept. This is Jesus commanding us. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to pause for a second. Just think about the ways that Jesus loved those who are around him. It says, greater love has no one than this, than someone who would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. You're my friends if you do what I command you. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we, we probably feel when it comes to the healthiness of our relationships that they feel a bit anemic. We talked about it last week. Relationships are complicated. They come at a cost. They're difficult. I think it's easy to feel that other people are better at them. Um, but there was some research done by a psychologist. I appreciated his questions that he talked about a, a friendship audit to, to, to confirm in your life. And, and I'll be honest, when I read these, uh, there's a little bit of salt in the wound on a few of these. The, the first question he says is, do you have at least one person nearby in your geogra geographical region whom you can call on in times of personal distress? Do you have several people whom you can visit with little or no advance warning? Do you have friends who will care for you in practical ways when and if the need arises? Those are his three questions. And I'm going to suggest today, we'll talk about it a little bit more in the sermon, that that, that I think we all recognize that relationships are important. I think we wrestle with the how as to how to invest in them more. And, and I think for many of us, though, the, um, we want them when we need them. And part of the commitment to prioritizing relationships is that you've actually invested in them in such a way that when you actually do need them, that you've done the hard work of building a healthy relationship. And we can get better at this. I want to keep saying this. We, we, we can grow in our capacity to do so. The last two questions were my questions. And the fourth one here on this list, do you have friends that will be honest with you if you need it? I, I found this in our life, that in my life, um, that it is easy to surround yourself with people who will just say, that they agree with you, that they um, think what you've said is right or accurate, even if they don't completely agree with you. I think that's kind of a cultural thing for us. And, and what I've found is a relationship turns real. This is the way my marriage is, that, that this is the closest friendships in my life. These are friends that I surround myself with, is that at times they have to say that in truth and love, they're saying to me, hey, I disagree with you. You didn't get this right. And in Jesus, when he interacted with the 12 disciples, there were times that he tangibly did that with them. He said to them, I disagree with you or get behind me, move. You, you got this wrong. Let me help you to understand this. And then this last one is a personal one. And this is something that I long for, for our Hope Church family, is that I long for that place that we can be. I've been there at times in my life. Some of you have experienced this where you have a group of people that are so close to you that you, you guys know in like small groups or like uh, um, uh, gatherings of people, sometimes they do the prayer requests at the end. You know, everybody gets their notepads out. All right, we're going to pray for Bob this way, or this is what's going on. Or you, you know that a group has has normed together, connected together, formed into a unified group. They, they bear burdens together when you don't even have to do that. You understand? Like that you know each other's struggles in such a way that you know how to pray for each other naturally. 
I, I long for that for each one of us, that we have that kind of relationship. I think God wants us to have it. And the way we're going to build in that or grow in that is by learning to prioritize relationships. I love this book um, written by Alan Joy McGinnis called The Friendship Factor. I love that it sold a million copies. Um, that means there's a million people out there like me that that want to grow in our capacity to get better at relationships. It's a Christian book written from a Christian perspective. And one of the, the statements that he says, I love this. He says, I've watched those who are deeply loved. I think we all want to be deeply loved. He says, I've watched those who are deeply loved and I've noticed that they all regard people as a basic source of happiness. Their companions are very important to them. Grass is green, it's where you water it, right? And no matter how busy their schedules, they have developed a lifestyle and a way of dispensing their time that allows them to have several profound relationships. I think we all know that we need real relationships in our life. I think we maybe don't always take the time to prioritize and invest them. I want to give you two quick qualifiers that I think are necessary as we talk about growing in our relationships. I want to encourage you to stop looking for the perfect best friend. Uh, my, my, my bestie, the, the number one, the, the all-inclusive, perfect best friend. When I was at Cedarville, a little Christian school, the president gave a message one time. And this was about um, dating, but he said this statement. He, he looked around and he said, hey, you guys, a couple thousand students in the auditorium. He says, um, some of you are looking for a 10, you know, like a 10 on the scale of one to 10. Uh, he says, stop looking for a 10. You're not a 10. So why are you looking for one? That's what he said. That was great. You know, if, if you're looking for the perfect friend, and some of you are, some of you are working to find the perfect relationship. And I'll just challenge you. You are not a perfect friend. No offense. It's not personal. I'm saying this to all of us. I am not. And it takes, in a relational reality, it takes investment and time and patience and graciousness. And so the goal isn't best friend status, but it's getting better at the relationships in the context that God has placed us in. And we can get better. Praise the Lord for that. I think it's also important, this one may be the most valuable thing I'll challenge you in today, and that is stop looking for 100% perfect agreement with potential friends. I think this is really important. Have you guys noticed that in the society that we live in that there's some controversial topics? Um, there's certain things that when you go over to grandma and grandpa's house for Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, please don't have them bring this up. Please don't have them. You know what I mean, right? There, there's topics. There's political. There's, there's really challenging topics, like which direction does the toilet paper roll? When, wh which way is it supposed to, to go? Or uh, is, a, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, that's a really debated topic. I'm just kidding, right? Um, but I will say this. I, I really think it, it's controversial, but pickles... Uh, I think they're related to dandelions, and uh, I think they're despicable, right? And that's the way I feel. Um, so, so for some of us, we know that there are topics, though, to be serious, that are political, they're, they're you know, discernment dis discussions, there's how we deal with face masks, and how we deal with uh, pandemic, how we deal with politics, how we deal with how we vote, how we... And I think that for some of us, this is one of the tricks that I think Satan is using to divide the church... And I think he's also using this to divide our families. And, and I've seen it happen with marriages over the last few years. Is that there's this underlying belief that for us to be in relationship with one another, that we have to agree on everything. 
And I'll just challenge you. When Jesus interacted with his disciples, he didn't agree with them all the time. In fact, when I, I was looking through the Gospels again recently, and I think that there are many things, many important things that they either disagreed with or they didn't, that Jesus had taught, but that they didn't model, or there were things that were dissonance in their relationship. And so I think for some of us, we, we are questing to find this person that agrees with all of the views that we hold and I appreciated Jeff Laird's sermon a couple of weeks ago talking about prioritizing the essential things. And it's important for us to recognize that as true Christ followers. We prioritize the essential things. And some of those minor things we allow ourselves to disagree with. Or we allow ourselves to have a dynamic relationship, an iron sharpened iron relationship. And so um, for, for many of us, I think that that's a part of what it means to love others like Jesus loved us. He prioritized people. He didn't always, they did not always agree with him, but he continued to invest in their relationships. And really the main point this morning is when you make people your priority, the fruit can be incredible. I want to illustrate this this morning with um, a passage of scripture that's quite beautiful. I think it applies well for Mother's Day. Um, there in the book of Ruth, in the first few verses, I guess beginning in verse 14 in the first chapter, there is recorded a story in history that contains great theological importance. It's a beautiful story. I want to illustrate Jesus' description of loving one another in a way that I found to be helpful. So the individuals whose names we're going to see in this portion of the text is Naomi, who was the mother-in-law of a woman named Orpha and a woman named Ruth. Now, Orpha and Ruth were married to Naomi's daughter-in-law, or son-in-laws, or sons, I'm sorry, Naomi's sons. These, these were her daughter-in-laws, and the sons ended up dying. And um, what's, what's incredible about this story is that you see this relationship that Ruth has with her mother-in-law. I'll tell you about my relationship with my mother-in-law. She paid for me to go skydiving. That tells you something, doesn't it? Uh, no, we have a great relationship, Allie's mom and I. And, and here, what you have in this story is that you see the value of prioritizing relationships. So the way it's described in verse 14, I want you to catch it. It's really interesting. At this, they wept aloud again. So the question is, are they going to stay in the country that they were living in? Are they going to return to, um, to Naomi's homeland, um, to Israel? And so the discussion is there, and it says this in verse 14. At this, they wept aloud again. They're, they're heartbroken over the loss of, of her sons, their husbands, but not sure what to do next in the midst of this loss. Then Orpha kisses her mother-in-law goodbye. I think that's, that's fascinating. So the discussion is, are we going to stay? Are we Are going to stick in relationship now that the, the guys are not around? And uh, I think we use this phrase uh, sometimes, say, kiss somebody goodbye. I wonder if it came from this statement. There's a, an ending of the relationship. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. I think you should go back with her. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. I want to pause here. Some of you had this actually read at your wedding. I know you did because it's a really popular passage of scripture. I think some of us, we may not have understood that this is actually a declared relationship that the, fam the family bond had been severed through the loss of her son and yet they're still going to commit themselves to this relationship. Ruth, Ruth says... 
Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. This is commitment. Where you stay, I will stay. This is um, devotion. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. That's an incredible bond. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went until they came to Bethlehem. We'll pick up uh, the rest of that in a few minutes, but I want you to just catch this. Good Good relationships are, I believe, always the result of good priorities. It's not just the luck of the draw. We don't just happenstance fall into them, but I think we, we find ourselves experiencing them because they were a commitment of ours. I think shallow relationships are cheap and not particularly valuable. I think Orpha, when she kisses her mother-in-law goodbye, whether it was shallow or not, she represents a relationship that someone's willing to just wipe their hands clean for. I think for some people, when the going gets tough in relationship, uh, we take off in our relationships. I, I had a tragic story uh, in California when I was pastoring there. A woman came in to meet with me for counseling, and she told me the story that um, she had been married for several years and that her husband had lost his legs in a motorcycle accident. And um, the conversation was that she wanted to ask me if she had to stay married to him because of the fact that this wasn't what she expected out of her marriage. I think, I think for some of us, we have watched it. We've actually experienced that at some level, that when a relationship doesn't meet our expectations or it doesn't quite pan out the way that, I mean, she was being transparent there. Like, do I have to? And part, part of me just thought about my marriage and my commitment to Allie and the statements that we said when we publicly declared, for better, for worse, richer, for bored, till death do us part, that our vows were not knowing the things that God would actually know about our story. And so there's a commitment there. There's a decision to be able to say that you're going to not allow anything to get in the way of a healthy relationship. But for some of us, I think we allow ourselves to limit our relationships to things that are surfacy. Um, you, you guys um, you know, know that we have ways to keep people at a distance verbally. Like one of those, I think, it's kind of ironic that we do it in Northeast Ohio, but it's to just, when you interact with somebody, it's to talk about the weather. Um, that's one of our things, right? Or we, we will do the, the classic, like, how are you doing? I'm doing fine kind of greeting. But we don't cross into the kind of conversations that can lead to real relationships. So I'll just challenge you in this area. Um, like you guys have heard the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, right? Let's, let's commit as a church family not to talk about the weather anymore. I'll work on it, okay? I won't sing the song for you. I'm sorry I brought that up. You know, it's going to be hard to get out of your mind, but... But, but I want you to think about the kind of questions that engage. Last week, we talked about looking at somebody in the eye. We talked about uh, remembering people's names. We talked about, I want to challenge you to ask questions that go beyond the surface. And you know what? That is a social cue to say, like if somebody says, how are, they do- how are you doing? And you say back, I'm doing fine. I think it's just code for, yeah, we're ready to keep on moving. But I think when you pause and you really ask a person, tell me, tell me about your job. What's something about your job that you love? Or help me to understand. Jesus did this with a woman at the well. There was, a, there was an encounter that was not supposed to be an encounter culturally. But Jesus engaged. He asked questions. He listened. He looked at her in the eye. And I challenge you 
that we, we be those kind of people, not weather kind of people who get to experience the fruit of just surface relationships. By the way, that can happen at church. And it's, I think, one of the, the temptations for us. I think Jesus modeled for us a way to go deeper in relationship. And I think it requires action. I'm going to give you three uh, letters. The first is going to begin with authenticity. The next is C, commitment. And the third is time. I think good, good relationships require action. And the first, we see Jesus modeled this. We'll unpack pack this later in the series, but it's allowing people into your life. It's allowing people to understand the things that burden you, discourage you, that are a source of pain for you. And I think that naturally, when someone is vulnerable in front of us, we connect with them. I think Jesus modeled this with his disciples, and he, uh, there were times when he shared with them that he was exhausted, that he was discouraged at times, or at least wrestling with the physical Uh, burdens that he had as he anticipated the cross. He asked the disciples, please stay up with me and pray for me in this time. I think Jesus obviously modeled authenticity. I think the next one is commitment. Uh, uh, You hear it in in Ruth's statement when she said, where you go, I will go. And it's another way of saying, let death tear us apart. Some people have understood what it means to assign top priority to their relationships. They're willing to pay the price to be committed to one another. Forgive me, I've told this story before, but I just love it so much. It's great. So I have a friend who um, we got to know in the Bahamas. His name's Charlie. And um, Charlie had uh, a woman that he was very much interested in as a friend, and uh, he really liked this woman. And uh, so she uh, graduated from high school and went to uh, college in the States to become a nurse. And Charlie just decided that he was going to woo her. And so he got on a plane, did not tell her he was coming, uh, which may or may not be the smartest thing ever. Uh, he made it to her college, like barred like all this stuff, rented a car, made it to her dorm room and at the college that she was at and saw a girl walking in and sent in a note um, that said, hey, Zena, that's her name, Zena, um, uh, Charlie's here. And she, on that note, wrote, not interested. Isn't that crazy? So, so my, my friend Charlie had to go back, um, get in the car, drive back to the airport, fly back to another country, and they've been married for 32 years. So isn't that great? So they're happily married. She ended up caving in, and uh, uh, he, uh, they have an awesome marriage. We had dinner with them a couple weeks ago when we were there. And um, I, I love that because I think some of my friendships, if we can say this about general friendships, whether it's um, you know, marriage relationships or personal, like, like some friendships just require someone to say, I'm committed to this thing. I'm committed to it as long, like I, I like the phrase, as long as I have a vote, right? As long as I have a vote, I'm going to commit to this. And, and I think that that's an art that is lost today. So the second thing, first is authenticity, second is commitment. And I think the third one probably um, is really clear in this message is that it just takes time. That time is the currency of relationships. I think um, Jesus modeled this with his time with the disciples. They shared meals together. They were friends. They interacted with each other. They laughed together. They did ministry together. And I think that, that it, it was also powerful to see Jesus cross social and cultural boundaries Um, to just be someone who valued and prioritized time together, meals together, interaction together. And I think that uh, we talk a lot about quality time, uh, but just last week, it was really cool after church. It was my mom's birthday, 
And um, two of my daughters, um, we, we attended church together, and then we jumped in the car, still wearing my um, you know, church clothes or whatever, and we drove six hours. So my parents live in Dayton. We drove three hours round trip together to, to head on down to, um, to Dayton to be able to celebrate my mom's birthday with her. And I, I'm just thinking about it. Just, it was delightful. We, were, we just interacted. We laughed together. We engaged. We, we, technology wasn't at the epicenter of everything that we did. And I just found myself going, man, these, these girls are just precious to me. And, and I think for some of us in the busyness of our life, it doesn't have to be this super gazing into each other's eyes, deep burden-bearing conversation. Sometimes it's in the mundane reality of life that we find ourselves deepening and our appreciation and love for one another. I love that, that the incarnation of Jesus recorded in John 1.14, it's described this way. It says, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and he dwelt among us. That's that Jesus was incarnational. Was physically, Jesus attended weddings, he engaged with people. He was a relational person. And I think it's valuable for us to recognize that that's the seedbed, seedbed of true relationships. I think that, that people who value relationships understand that you get to uh, pursue happiness together in a real relationship. But, and so as we talk about this, again, let's, let's make sure we're being honest. So why don't we do this more often? Why, why don't we prioritize it? I think it's, it's kind of like uh, the, what I'll call the dental floss approach to deep relationships. Okay, let me explain what I mean. Um, I value dental floss. It's, I think, oh, that's great. That picture is terrible. Uh, got, she's got a tooth friend there, right? She needs her dental floss. So, so I value, boy, you guys aren't going to be able to look at that. Oh, look away. It's good. So, so I value dental floss, especially in the five minutes before I go meet with my dentist who I'm paying to um, clean my teeth, right? I, I value it when I think that I need it. We have, uh, we have substitutes for dental floss. My dad used to, it's not, it's not Father's Day, so I can tell the story. He used to use his like old business cards as a tooth, as a, oh, so gross. I was on a plane one time and I saw a woman take a long hair and, yeah, yeah. Ooh, um, so, okay, I have a point. I promise, I promise, I do. So, so for us, the, the dental floss approach, like, let's be honest, like we know it's important, it's valuable, it's a good thing, um, but, but do we prioritize it in such a way that is a consistent part of our life? Or do we just think about it in the moments before we head back to the dentist? My dentist goes to church here, so I'm in trouble now. Okay? <laughs> but um, I want us to recognize this, that, that there are things for us that require us to establish and invest in in order to experience the things that God desires of us. At our home, this week, uh, or a couple, a couple, like a month ago, we started planting little seedlings that we're going to try to do a garden this year. And um, you can pray for our garden. We'll need all the help we can get, to be honest. But, um, but the, the, what's neat about it is that you start with these little seeds. You guys know the story. You start with these little seeds. They all, many of them look similar. Um, but then when you plant them, they're at the stage right now where there's these little seedlings in our house. And and what we know that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to take them out, separate them, plant them in soil. We're going to have to make sure they get plenty of sunlight and that they're given the space to grow. And I, I would suggest for us that we are a little bit prejudiced with the way that we approach relationships. I, I can think of meaningful relationships in my life that from the first impression that I had from, of them that uh, they turned out to be way more fruitful and beneficial than I imagined they would be at the beginning. 
And so I, I, think, I think it's helpful, this statement, is that you cannot tell the full potential of a relationship without truly investing in it. Like this second point, when we prioritize relationships, they're given the opportunity to grow. And, and I think for some of us, the anemic part of the way we do relationships is we prejudge a relationship. We say it's not going to be fruitful. And uh, what's, what's so cool about that story, I just want to uh, hop forward in the book of Ruth chapter four. Um, I'll tell you bits and pieces of that story that Ruth ends up going with Naomi. Um, Ruth's sister-in-law ends up uh, going back to uh, her old country and way of life. But then um, Ruth goes with Naomi. They go to Israel. Um, then there's a beautiful story of the Lord providing a husband for, for Ruth. And that's not the point this morning. But the point is, is she never would have expected this incredible provision, and then there's a child. And I just, I love the way verse 14 describes it. It says, then the women who are watching this on the outside, they say this to mother-in-law Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restore of life, which is an echo of what God offers each one of us, and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, I just love that description. She's prioritized you. She's prioritized this relationship. She's more to you than seven sons and has given birth to him. Just, I look at this and I see, we flash forward, we see the, the unexpected provision of an invested relationship. I think that it's also helpful to see that by maintaining relationship through difficult seasons that, and, and doing that thing that we said earlier, the acts things, the the um, making space for them to um, make sure that you're choosing to, um, to make space and invest and care for. I think authenticity, commitment, and time can ultimately lead to the seedbed of a healthy, lifelong relationship or an investment that has fruit. So we need to allow those seeds to germinate, make space for them, provide for them. I think it's also appropriate to say first impressions can often fail us. I think the most meaningful relationships in my life, if I can uh, consider those, most meaningful ones, my first impression was not accurate. Can you agree with me on that? Maybe meaningful friends that you've had, uh, maybe somebody even that you married uh, someday. I love my friend Charlie. Zena wasn't ready um, to, um, to take that relationship seriously, um, but over time it led to uh, something that's been incredible for them. So. So most meaningful relationships, um, uh, it's not always uh, just the first impressions that allow us to understand the potential of future relationships. It takes time, needs investment and cared, being cared for. I think everyone wants the benefits of healthy relationships, but not all of us are willing to pay the price to initiate and to maintain them. So reread uh, what Jesus said in John 15 as we close. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. The challenge for each one of us is, yeah, maybe, maybe we have to lay down our life, but I'm guessing for most of us, it's going to be a little bit more like laying down the video game on our phone. It's going to be more like turning off the TV. It's going to be more like pursuing and honoring the relationships that we have. Hey, uh, Mother's Day is a good, good day to do that. Take care of your mom, your grandma, care for the influential ladies in your life that have been meaningful. Do it. 
Let, let's take the cue to invest. And I started here. I want to end here. Where, what I said earlier, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The grass is greenest where you water it. God has asked us, called us to prioritize the thing that he prioritizes. And that is the potential power that comes from us making relationships a priority. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And I just love getting to talk about this because I, I realize in my life that you've blessed me with unexpected friendships, that you've, in our moving around the country and even, even um, settings that we've served in, that you've, you've closed chapters in our life of relationships and that you've opened new ones and that you've allowed our hearts to remain open to new relationships. I pray for marriages that are here. I pray for friendships that are here. Uh, Lord, that you'd strengthen them, that you'd allow there to be an investment that sees them grow stronger. I pray for opportunities to start new relationships. And if there's unnecessary barriers that we're putting up, uh, Lord, would you humble us in that process, Lord? We, we believe you that you are a God who is a relational God, that you sent your son to seek and to save that which was lost, that you are personal, that you want to have a personal and meaningful relationship with each and every one of us. I pray that we would also rep recognize that and desire to have a meaningful relationship with one another. We love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.